How yeah. many shows have you done so far? This is going to be our 60th episode yeah. now. 60th. Wow. Yeah, we yeah. We, oh we just um, finished all six of the original Frank Herbert Dune books. Wow. Literally the, the yeah. night before uh, the movie premiered. Yeah. Wow. That's right. very dramatic. Yeah. Yeah, we we might as well jump in here. We got a lot to talk about. We, yes, <laughs> sure. yes. Absolutely. Uh-huh. All right. Well, without further ado, uh welcome to Dune Dudes. The uh the podcast about Dune for dudes of all kinds. Yes. Yeah, um I call them Dunesters. <laughs> the Dunesters. <laughs> Yeah. I think that's a good official name because because I, as far as I have seen, there's not like an official name for the fandom, you know, for the Dune fandom uh, on, on social media. Right. So I think Dunesters is a good idea. Yeah, I like. Yeah, it. no, Dunesters can stick. It it has, um, it, there's something about it, you know, it it fits. I like it a lot. <laughs> so. Without, um, you know, getting into it and, and uh, you know, our, our regular listeners are like, what, there's a third third voice yeah. in this yeah. podcast? <laughs> um, this, is a, this is a special episode of Dune Dudes. Now that we've finished all six books, we've done our movie uh, recap episode, uh, we are honored to have a guest on the pod. Uh, we have Mike Lisk, a.k.a. AP Mike, from The Best Show. We we're uh, we're very excited um, to have you here, Mike. Um, you know, I've I've been a been a fan of the best show for a long time, so it's it's uh, pretty cool to have you on here. Especially, you know, knowing that you know you you, you are like a, a pretty well-read man. With is, is that correct? Well, yeah, I like to read. <laughs> I've always liked to read. Um, uh, I want to thanks for having me on the show. Do, yeah, do. Thank, you, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Connor and Connor. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, no, I've always been a big reader, but I've never been a big science fiction reader. Um, my brother, Robert, my older brother, he passed away a couple of years ago. He was a big science fiction reader. And Dune, in particular, was one of his favorite books. Okay. So, I, you know, I, I, I inherited his books. And so Dune has always sort of been in the back of my mind. Like, I, I like to read this to see what, what he found so interesting about it. Um, I know it's got a, a huge readership. And so it, it was just sitting there waiting for me. And uh, so I finally picked it up this summer. Um, my brother went through all of the Dune books, uh, which I, I don't know what he did with them, but hmm. they're not around anymore. <laughs> yeah. So all, all, I, all I have is the first book. And I actually have like two copies of Dune, but um, so I gave it a shot, and uh, it was it was a slow read for me. Um, I've I've talked about how part of my resistance to science fiction is what I call the mumbo jumbo factor. Yes, there's and a this lot is, in here. Sorry, go this, on. Yeah, this is this is where. You know, and, and, you know, I wouldn't say Dune had a lot of this. I mean, they had some of it where, you know, they're trying to project what technology is going to be in the future. So they'll use made up terms, you know, and, and it's, you know, and I understand what they're trying to do. Um, but, you know, it doesn't really make any sense half the time. 
Um, I used to joke with my brother about this with Star Trek is where I first got exposed to this. You know, it'd be a line of dialogue and, and I just look at him like, what the hell does that mean? You know, but it was just like mumbo jumbo because, you know, it's it's technology of the future. How would we know what what they mean? You know, so they throw it in there once in a while just to keep you on your toes. That, hey, we're in the future. <laughs> you know, we're, we're ahead of you. So, yeah, maybe you, you, you're not going to understand what all these characters are talking about. So, uh, yeah, that's a huge. Dune has some of that. Yeah, go that's ahead. a huge like barrier to resistance, I think. Uh, you know, for for people diving into the Dune world, um, it doesn't really make it easy for for you. It's not it's 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 not the worst um, culprit of this, you know, sci-fi mumbo jumbo. But but it's it's no. not easy to parse through. And they have you know a glossary, and you know that can be difficult. I mean, uh, a Clockwork Orange, you know, uses a different. They use their futuristic futuristic jargon too and there's a glossary for that book but you, you sort of pick up as you go along what the words mean just out of context um as i said it's it's not it's not that heavy in dune you know so you shouldn't be put off by that alone you know if you want to read it um yeah i felt like it was if, if you make it through like the first I don't know, five, ten chapters. I remember thinking like in the beginning, particularly like it, it hits you with a lot of words really fast. Like the first time it says like Kwisatz Haderach, I remember looking at that and being like, what, what is going yeah. on here exactly? So like it's, it, it, but it, it feels like if you get over that, that hump, if it's, if it's able to like draw you into the universe I, I think sometimes because of those weird words, like to to want to like figure out what they are, if it if it hooks you in that way, um, then then the rest can like fall into place. But I, I'm definitely curious about. Um, you said it was kind of a slow read or a slow burn. Um, did yeah, it, I, I couldn't read like more than two chapters at a time. I was kind of, you know. Uh, like you said, and, and a lot of people who followed me on Twitter when I was writing about reading the book, they talk about the early parts of the book are really slow moving. And, it you know, it does pick up. And I would agree with that. Yeah. You, know, uh, you know, the other thing, you know, uh, the names were hard to keep straight in my head. Yeah. Uh, so you've got these unusual names as well. And so you want to comprehend what you're reading. So that would slow me down. And I'm trying to, you know, I'd have to like, Oh, this is that guy, that guy, one guy's got a scar on his jaw. Who's that? The, uh, <laughs> Gurney Halleck. Yes. The, uh, the, the, the minstrel always... warrior. Yeah. yeah. Right. He plays, <laughs> he plays a little, uh, what, what's the Balak or something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm, it's already fading from my memory, even though I, I just watched the HBO, uh, yeah. movie that's out now yeah right but um we'll get to that there's no sure, <laughs> there's no balisette in the, in the movie so no i know people are going to be disappointed although i think it was in the background of one scene i thought i, th I thought i saw some sort of stringed instrument in the background of one scene <laughs> there way probably back, was you know? yeah because i know they did uh, film a scene with with him playing the balisette but they cut it i guess for time oh really oh. yeah uh, so um, 
Yeah, did, did you have more? I'm sorry, Mike. No, I mean, so the book, you know, it picks up at times. Uh, I made it to the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I mean, congrats. It's big. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wanted to sort of be able to watch the new movie knowing um, the book. And actually, I went back before the, the new movie came out. I went back and watched David Lynch's version. And I found that even more enjoyable having read the book. Um, because, you know, there is a lot of stuff to keep in mind. And if you go in without knowing the background of the book, it's a lot to take in in the movie alone. But when I, when I watched the, the David Lynch version again, I could see where he's having fun with stuff. Because in, in, the, mo in the book, there's very little discussion about uh, the backgrounds of, of the rooms or anything. There's mm. some you get you get some details about some wall hangings, you know, and, and uh, the drapes and you know. But but it's very it, it is sort of like the new movie. I think the new movie is sort of true to that, where you're like in caves half the time, you know. Yeah. And there's not much home furnishings in the background, but but David Lynch sort of went went nuts with that so he's putting all this wild stuff in the background so it's like it's just sort of like oh okay he's putting his signature oh yeah you know, the, in the back in the background sets uh, of this movie and uh so it, that, that made it more into entertaining to me and i you know I, I knew the characters i was more familiar with the characters what he's what he did differently with the characters yeah so i actually found myself enjoying the david lynch movie a lot more having read the book so you, uh, I mean, it's the way you're talking about it then, you uh, obviously had seen it before you'd read the book then, right? Like, was that your yeah, first many, many years ago, June, pretty much? Yeah, many years ago. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a movie I, I revisited uh, very often. Yeah. Uh, my brother had the DVD. He actually has the uh, unapproved extended version, which I haven't watched that. I don't know that there's that much more new... Uh, material in that have you guys seen that i have is that the version we watched no no sure. i no i watched i watched the original david lynch version uh, but, but but this dvd there was one dvd that came out with two versions yeah it was the david lynch version and then an extended alan smithy version you know oh, i don't know okay who, i who i've heard about out. that edit, just, yeah yeah, maybe the, the the company just put it out to sell DVDs. You know, maybe yeah. that was the, the selling option. Yeah, uh, hopefully but, some more uh, sting in there, or you know, could have been cool. I mean, there are extras where you can see uh, scenes that David Lynch had filmed, but just didn't make the cut. So I saw some of that stuff. I imagine that stuff's in the extended version. Right. Um, yeah, probably so. I, yeah, deleted scenes. So I think they just put the delete, deleted scenes into a, 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 an edited version of the movie. Yeah, I'm sure. But I did see, yeah, I saw the deleted scenes, you know, and there was some interesting stuff in that. Uh, so, yeah, it was definitely more interesting uh, having read the book, uh, rewatching that. Yeah, I think um, one of the things I remember... When when Connor and I we finished reading Dune for the first time, we also watched the Lynch film for the first time for ourselves. And I remember watching it and and uh, actually being really uh, amazed, kind of at at how how literally some of the scenes are are films. Like so much of the dialogue is verbatim, just like lines from the book. 
Um, and it yeah, seems no. like there was like this really strong effort to like to like really try and take the exact dialogue from the page and like bring it to the to the screen in a way that was um, like really bold, but I think had some drawbacks sometimes too. Yeah, I think he tried to stick close to the book. You know, I don't think he he tried to really uh, change it up and make it his own movie. Like I said, I I think he, I think he just found a little little spot where he could put in some personal touches but you know i think he was trying to remain close to the book yeah um yeah it, i think he it, didn't it's a he lot didn't. to cram into what's that he didn't he didn't because <laughs> there, there's just a lot okay. like i mean like you were saying you know the the like the background kind of vibrancy that he adds to the world is like terrific you know it really adds a lot of flavor mm-hmm. and a lot of um fun to to the movie um but the, the, you know, especially once you get to the second half, uh, you know, once everything is condensed, you know, trying to fit the uh-huh. entire book into two hours and 20 minutes or whatever is is a tough task for anybody. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot lost. And then, um, you know, just just from based on my memory, the ending specifically is like, you know, I, I feel like in Dune's in like Dune fans eyes, it's like heinous, you know, like. Like, you know, Kyle McLaughlin snapping his fingers and making it rain at the end is like, like what? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How long now you're you're doing doing the reading and, and watching these things all relatively recently? I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's been about a year and a half since we started the podcast where we yeah, we started okay. the first Dune book. And then right after finishing that up, we, we immediately watched the David Lynch movie. Um, okay. So, yeah. So that that's maybe a year All or right. so ago so, now that we've seen that. So, so you're you're still relatively new to all this stuff yourself. Oh yeah. I yeah, mean, we are. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's this is sort of long time uh, Dune fans, and actually, I, I you know, I was I was just sort of discussing this online. Uh, most people, I think, read Dune when they're very young. I mean, you're how, how old are you guys? You're like in your you're young, but you're not teenagers, right? Oh yeah, yeah. no, we're we're uh, in our 29. late twenties, twenty-seven, twenty-nine. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so, yeah, we're we're so, old. Well, that's still that's still pretty young though. But I mean, uh, you know, I was getting a sense, and and it, again, I, I keep referring to my brother. He read it when he was very young, you know, maybe in high school, college, you know, that age, and you know, I for some reason it, it does have an appeal for young people. It's one of those books. That uh, really sort of, it's it's got it's had. I mean, it came out in, in what the early '60s, mid '60s, in there. Yeah, '65, I think. Yeah, '65. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's been around a long time. So it's it's and it's still going. Uh, so I mean, there's some there's something appealing to people. Yeah, for um, sure. I think a lot of that is, um, uh, you know, Paul. We we meet him when he's 15 years old. You know, that's definitely yeah, true. A, that's true. Okay. Yeah, definitely like a uh, like a uh, teenager identification character, and it's kind of like a kind of like a messed up version of like the um, like like a coming of age story, you know? Yeah, yeah. In a lot of ways, and um, you know, especially in like this this most recent film, like uh, the way Timothy Chalamet portrayed Paul kind of reminded me in the beginning of like a Holden Caulfield kind of character. Um, just kind of like a disaffected teen, um, which I thought was really a funny way to portray him. Um, so I think there's a lot uh, to kind of 
grasp on there when when you are young um it might have hit me harder if i was younger and read this i don't know yeah he's so he's sort of a, a reluctant hero mm-hmm. you know he's sort of just sort of pushed into this thing and you know he, he's sort of reluctant at first and but you know and of course it begins with him sticking in his hand in this box that tortures him <laughs> yeah know? it's like <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, who wants to sign up for this? You know, it's like uh, this is how it starts. So, uh, but uh, I guess that's part of its appeal. And um, you know, sci-fi just has a big, a bigger audience. I, you know, it, it doesn't seem to be diminishing. Um, oh, yeah. Did no. you guys? Did you guys like the the new movie version? I didn't hear. I didn't hear your your recap. You didn't listen oh, to our five-hour no, uh, recap podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's yeah, how long it is? It is, yeah. Yeah. yeah we, oh, wow. I thought I thought that was required listening to, to be on the podcast <laughs> oh as a guest. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, sorry. No. Um, yeah, the, the short version is overall, uh, I did like it. I do think that there are... I, I do think that there are things that it, it definitely could have done better. Like, I, I don't think it's a perfect film, um, but I, I appreciate the way that it, like, tries to bring Dune to, like, a modern blockbuster audience and, and not in, like, a pandering way. Like, it is, like, a big modern-day, huge-budget, you know, film, but it, it doesn't feel like it's necessarily, um, like, diminishing itself to to reach that wider audience. I feel like it walks a cool line between like artsy film and blockbuster film, but it, it definitely stumbles in places. Um, I don't, I don't think they're going to make a a movie that's better than the book necessarily, but, uh, but I had a lot of fun watching it. That that's kind of my thoughts on it off the bat. Yeah. What do you think, Connor? Do you want to add anything to that? Yeah. um, All I would say is like, I don't even think I need to, add any qualifiers in there i think it's a great uh movie i I think it's a really great adaptation uh of of dune to the big screen and uh i mean the only things that i would critique are like there are there are still plot points that were you know skipped over and characters that you know i feel like weren't given their fair share um but i feel like it it gets the the ideas across very well and better than the david lynch film um but i will say i i think it could also have used some of david lynch's like vibrancy and and, and weirdness that he injected into the universe i think i think that might be the one thing that uh that i i would add to it um but other than that i i i really thought it did a great job yeah, that seems that seems to be the consensus. I'm, you know, I, uh, I'm not, you know, after all of this immersion, I can't, I can't say I'm like a huge Dune fan. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I'm just have, I'm having done, I'm having fun with it, you know, because I, you know, I read the book and saw the new movie, but well, um, the new movie. Back... Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I would say I would I would agree with what. You know, it, yeah. it's sort of faithful to the book in ways that uh, David Lynch's isn't. Uh, but then it, it it does make major changes with, uh, well, like one character is like barely uh, Thufer. How do you pronounce his name? Thufer Howitt. I, I would say Howitt. Howitt. Yeah, that's the way yeah. that we pronounce it. 
Yeah. yeah, that character is like a major character in the book, and here he's kind of just in the background. Um, yeah, they 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 kind of rearranged uh, like the battle scenes that are in there. It wasn't like big battle scene. The big battle scene in the book comes at the end. Yeah, if I, if they sort of added a big battle scene to juice up the movie. They definitely beefed it up. Which which wasn't you know which wasn't in the book at that that particular moment there's big battle scenes later on but i felt like oh they moved that up there they put some big spaceships i mean that director does big big spaceships like nobody else totally <laughs> so he had to get those big spaceships in there <laughs> uh you know he did that right you know uh somebody else mentioned and i agreed that the uh the thopters you know are, are better in this movie you know that seems pretty true to the book yep yeah that was um, really cool I don't know about uh, Timothy Chalamet's uh, the reality of he, him being such a, a, a great fighter. I mean, <laughs> you know, to me, he's a very slight person. Oh yeah. And uh, would <laughs> I, I said on Twitter, I don't, I, I don't see him fighting his way out of a paper bag. <laughs> but uh, you know, hey, that's it's it's a fantasy, right? So, yeah. Yeah, that, that, you go along definitely... with it. A fantastical element. I mean, he does look younger. You know, I mean, he he's supposed to be a young person, so he he sort of fits that that characteristic. But uh, when he's fighting these larger people, it's it seems a little bit of a stretch. Um, so you know, I you know, even as someone who read the book, I thought there was a section in the movie where things are, are become very confusing. I was getting confused, and like I said, it was maybe it's because they rearranged. You know the kidnapping scene and and the uh, and the battle scene. Uh, you know, I'm like, where am I? I? I sort of lost my my place there for a stretch. But um, a lot of people are enjoying it. Yeah, um, I think the pandemic has probably put a damper on it being like a big movie. And I guess the director was not happy that it was going to be released on HBO. Um, oh, that's fine. Well, only in that I kind of thought maybe um, I, I mean, I, I haven't done a lot of research into this, but it seemed like it's it's performing um, better than some people were expecting, like especially abroad. And I, I heard some of that attributed to like be, because of covid, like people have been feeling so stifled and, and unable to like go out and see these cool movies. And like Dune kind of presents itself as like you know, like almost a, a, a welcome back or a return to form. Like, Hey, here's like a big science fiction epic, you know, for you to yeah. like come back out and kind of, you know, sit, sit back and feel like you're in the theater again with like this larger than life soundtrack and these huge effects. Um, so it's interesting to hear you talk about the other side to that. Cause I, I think that's probably there too. Um, it's, it's, no, a weird, I, you know, it's a weird thing. I, I agree. I, I, I think that they're hoping that that's what I mean. I'm not following, I haven't been following the numbers, you know, how big a weekend it had. But um, I think they were hoping for that. Yeah. Uh, despite, despite the HBO thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad people are feeling, you know, uh, more comfortable going to the movies. And yeah, this was, this is a movie. I was tempted to go see it in the theater. I guess you guys. You guys saw it in the theater? We, we did. We saw it in IMAX. We yeah. saw it in IMAX. Oh, IMAX. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So the walls must have been rattling and stuff. Oh, right? uh, yeah. It was, they it was were. pretty big. It was and, pretty big. And it was, it was like a packed theater, too. I think it was probably yeah. near near sold out or sold out. 
Well, that, yeah, I'm, I'm glad people are feeling comfortable going to see movies. And I, you know, yeah, this could be the movie that gets people just going. It's, yeah, it's, it, I, I mean, I can't think of, I mean, did the James Bond movie come out? I, I guess that was. It, it is be, out, yeah. Yeah. I don't but, know how uh, it did, though. Yeah. I think I read. I mean, that's becoming like. I think I read that um, that this did, be- like, this was the best opening weekend for um, a WB film since Joker, which was pre-pandemic, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, so oh, that okay. was that right. was pretty well, big. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine it not getting greenlit for the sequel now. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, the, that's kind of like a it's 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 hard to tell whether it did better because of the pandemic or if it did worse because there there is kind of that you know um, excitement now around the first big hyped movie after we, we we've all been through this terrible thing together. Um, <clears throat> But then also it's like, well, if it was released during Christmas time, like 2020, or like it was originally meant to be, um, I mean, that still would have been a big thing, but it might have had more competition, maybe less people excited about going to theaters in general. It's hard to say, but um, mm-hmm. I think it, it'll probably land somewhere in the middle, but we'll we'll never really know the other outcome, I guess. Yeah. Um, but Mike, I, you know, before we dive like more into the movie, I... I do kind of want to know, um, you know, your, your your thoughts on the book as a whole, because, um, you know, you're not a super sci-fi fan, but I know while you were reading the book, you, you did tweet a lot of your thoughts and um, definitely had some, some criticism about mm-hmm. the book um, just in itself. Was there anything that, that you wanted to share um, just about the story in itself in its original form that you... Uh, weren't too keen on or that you know you 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 had issues with well the the one thing you know i guess the major general statement i made about it was that i think herbert was trying to you know 65 uh science fiction's reputation wasn't that great Mm -hmm. you know it's still considered like you know a pulp form of writing you know with magazines and pulp books and you know it, it didn't have a lot of respect so i'm thinking you know i think part of his intentions were to sort of make it a little more classy <laughs> and and so i i think part of what he did was he kind of uh i described it as shakespearean sci-fi because you know he's got this this whole thing you know with uh royal bloodlines and swordplay and the social class system of the Middle Ages, which is, I'm like, I was surprised to find that in a sci-fi book. Yeah. But hey, you know, uh, and I guess that's had its effect on uh, George Railroad Martin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, you know. We, it, we talked about Game of Thrones when when we were reading it, because it, it does feel, you, you feel those parallels right away. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 the, and the Star Wars parallels are, are there, you know, quite immediately so i mean it, it it's had a, a huge influence and i guess it did you know it lifted sci-fi i mean you know uh out of sort of the pulp realm into a more popular uh genre so i mean i think it's an important book i wouldn't say it's one of my favorite books uh i enjoyed parts of it um and, and like i said i i see i saw how it became influential to other things that came after so uh you know I, I i see that it's it's been very influential 
uh, on the genre. Um, as far as you know, sci-fi. I mean, I I so I I guess the closest, my favorite sci-fi writer, and I don't even know if he he qualifies half the time is a. Uh, J. B. Ball. Uh, what is it? J. B. Ballard. Uh, am I am I saying it right? Uh, I can't help you there. Sorry. <laughs> he he uh, he wrote uh, Empire of the Sun. Uh, I'm, I'm actually yeah. J. G. Ballard. What am I doing? I said J. B. J. G. Ballard. Yeah. He wrote em- Empire of the Sun. Crash. His 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 books are more sort of uh, dystopian. You know, not not too distant future. You know, where things break down. Um, the drowned world is like, you know, he creates like different environments and then just sort of immerses his characters in, in a, an extreme environment. Like the drowned world, you know, is about the earth underwater. Everything's underwater. Uh, High Rise was really good. It's about just sort of the class system as it exists in, in a high rise building that is sort mm. of becoming chaotic and out of control. Uh, but Empire of the Sun is, is his most famous book, and that was based on personal experiences. Uh, but Concrete Island is good, uh, where a character is sort of, instead of being, you know, the uh, sole survivor on an island, uh, it's about somebody stranded on a, uh, a concrete island in, a, a min- in the middle of a highway and he can't get off of it. Oh. You know, so it's just so yeah. it's, it creates these extreme situations uh that are just sort of interesting to get immersed into yeah those those sound like really cool concepts i think we'll add him to the list because we are uh going to continue reading books together and podcasting about Uh them um so that's okay that's exciting but yeah, I, I yeah, mean, let me pronounce cool. it again: J.G. Ballard, not J.B. J.G. Ballard. Okay, J.G. You'll definitely J.G. Ballard. Yeah. Write the name down. Googling J.B. Ballard, and it'd be like, oh no, I can't find this guy. (laughs) Who's this? Um, But yeah, that's. I mean, it's kind of funny because, like, I mean, I think Frank Herbert does that in a way too, where you know they they take, obviously they take the Atreides and and throw them on a a desert planet where it's it's a, yeah, you know, a very extreme setting. Um, But I guess it doesn't really. It's that's not the focus, though. I guess you know, it's it's a. it 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 chooses to um think about other things and or really like a great a great myriad of of things and you know um character interests and philosophical kind of angles and uh you know the desert is just kind of um you know it's not it's not the story but it it it's like a character in the story i guess Yeah, I mean, I always, it's 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 cool now. I mean, it's interesting no matter when you write it, but it 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 feels like um, this story focusing on like the ecology of the planet and and how it it can like change so drastically given like the uh, the effects of people. You know, um, obviously is, is a story that 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 still rings true today and I think is a, a strong reason for its like continued relevance now, even though its adaptions have been like sporadic throughout the, the decades. But um, 
what what made you guys sort of decide to sort of pick up and and go with this? I mean, it was just something you you both wanted to read at the same time, and you thought like this would be a good idea for a podcast or um, what was what was the draw for you? I mean, are you guys big science fiction fans? I I, I mean, I've liked science fiction my whole life, but mainly um, mainly through like films. So my first love was Star Wars when I was younger. Um, and, you know, that's just always always been there. Um, so it was it was easy for me when I when I turned to Dune. Really what it was is um, uh, it kind of goes back to covid it, feeling like just before it happened, I was trying to get back into reading. Um, I hadn't been reading for a while. And that bones me out. And I wanted to like make a, you know, like a conscious decision to, to, to turn it into a habit, you know, to, to make mm -hmm. yourself do it until, until you want to do it, you know, in a way. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so, uh, pretty much I, I approached Connor, um, and I, I was saying like, Hey, like I've been thinking about trying to get back into reading and I know myself, like it, it's, it's, I wanted to tackle something big. I've had Dune on my bookshelf for years, years and years mm -hmm. and years. I don't even know yeah. how long I've had it for a while. I've been interested <laughs> yeah. in it. Um, but it was so big. It, you know, it's like daunting to stare at it. And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I know myself. If I start this book by myself, I'm not going to finish it. And I, I pretty much I asked Connor if he wanted to do this together, you know, where mm -hmm. we we what we did is we would read five chapters and then stop we wouldn't continue on until him and i both discussed it and and we pretty much did like a book club podcast on dune okay. um but but yeah really it, it's cool because like even though this podcast is and has been only about dune just like connor said like now that we're done with the original books and now that we've seen the movies the plan is to expand it just back out into like the world of reading and so uh -huh. um that's cool because like that's also why we started it in the first place. It was really just to like create that that habit of wanting to read again. And and Dune mm -hmm. was just a, a really fun, um, interesting, crazy universe to to dive into, I think. Yeah. Yep. Um and that this was my second attempt at reading Dune. The first time I tried to read it, I got um I think just under halfway through and I, I just, I just, I, it, it just fell off. Um, it, I think it was just too much for me at that point. And so when, mm -hmm. when Connor suggested doing, I was like, okay, you know, let's let's go for it. Uh, we can, we can try it. Um, and and I, I feel like it didn't really click until after that halfway point. Really, like, you know, we it picks up. I, yeah. I agree. It picks up as it goes along. Yep, it and definitely I, does. You know, I think a lot of people mention that, you know, the, the, the big hump is in the beginning of the book. So, yeah. so I guess that's why it, it puts off a lot of people. They, they yeah. don't finish it. Or... Yep. You know, Frank Herbert's writing, it's like not, I mean, I, I feel like he, he kind of steers clear of like a lot of the traditional like tropes and stuff like that. And like not in favor of like, subverting expectations but like he just like he wants to do his own thing so like he's he's always talking about what he wants to talk about not necessarily what he thinks the readers will be entertained by um so that that makes it a, like a bit difficult to 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 get through and grasp um and it really wasn't until like the 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 end of the first book that we were like yeah we want to keep reading 
the next books like it it, it was really kind of close we like we, we were it was kind of an iffy thing it was up in the air um right up until the very end um well, well i got I, I got a lot of response to people for the books for the sequels you know i heard a lot of very mixed things about the sequel yeah i mean would you agree with that that the they're they're really sort of all over the place and even more <laughs> that 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 was sort of the general uh, drift I got was that oh the the sequels are crazy you know, they are that, crazy uh, yeah uh, they are for sure they're crazy the thing uh, is is that sometimes crazy is really good still okay. and um, yeah the thing is though is like I wouldn't I I, I almost feel like by reading Dune. Like that's almost the barometer. Like I, I think I think you'll know if you want to read the sequels in a way. And I don't know if that sounds ridiculous or not, but like I think that's kind of it. Like once you're done reading Dune, it's like, do you wanna stay in this universe? Like, do you really do you wanna see where it goes? Like, even if it is weirder, or especially if it's weirder. Like I think um the sequels do branch off into some some very interesting directions and they like really challenge the characters, like these are not sequels where Frank Herbert was just like spinning his wheels and he's like, yeah, you know, I guess I'll keep writing to like make an extra buck or whatever. Like, let's keep it going. Like he mm -hmm. had like very, very thought provoking and like very like intentionally crafted stories that he wanted to tell, you know? Um, so I, I think they're, I think they're endlessly fascinating Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I I would definitely I would recommend them, uh -huh. only because I enjoyed them so much. But like I recognize they are not for everybody. They no, do get pretty bizarre. You you can't even go into them thinking, okay, you know, I want more Dune. You know, um, <laughs> because it's not. You know, I mean, I think at the bare minimum, though, if if you do enjoy Dune in any way, I think reading Dune Messiah, which is the one that's right after Dune. I think that's worth the read because it's 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 very short and it you know completes the arc I think um but uh um, That's a great point. It's a that's a good recommendation. I think it's just worth try the next yeah. book and then see how you feel. It puts everything it, it, it in continues it well. Yeah. Um but as far as the books after that, it it takes I mean it, it's a totally different series. It's it it has very little in common, you know, with um the universe as it was in those first two books everything changes and uh i mean we talk about this a lot but it, it like really becomes a platform for frank herbert's thoughts and like personal like feelings and um you know on on government and uh you know like humanity in general um and that's that's there in dune but it's kind of cleverly disguised within the story and as you get further and further into it, it it becomes more and more clear that a lot of these characters are just like avatars for his like personal feelings. And um, yeah, I, I've seen interviews with him on YouTube where he's talking about you know some of his philosophy and uh, his views on politics and that type of stuff. Uh, so yeah, you, you you can sort of see that he. He was going to go in that direction. Um, I know that Paul's character becomes more of a, a sort of sinister character as he goes along. Yeah. Uh, which I guess is sort of interesting. But, you know, my 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 feelings after reading the first book is that I needed a break. I wasn't 
I wasn't ready to uh, double down. <laughs> no, that's and continue understandable. On. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm going to try and continue pushing myself to read more science fiction in general because it's it's something I think you know I might enjoy. I have the books. Uh, I just got um, I subscribed to the Library of America, and they're they're doing more science fiction. They just put out a, a Ray Bradbury collection. You know, like the big names, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'd be interested in reading Doris Lessing and uh, Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah, you know, I have all these. I have all these books, so I'm, you know, I'm going to start try and push myself into reading some more science fiction, just to, you know, get a, a, a broader taste of it. You yeah, know? There, there's a lot of great stuff out there. I mean, I I would recommend, you know, right when when we started reading Dune, I was in the middle of uh, reading, um. Ursula Le Guin and her, mm-hmm. um, what's it called? Her, her like space saga. Yeah. yeah she's was, got like a whole civilization she's created. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it's funny cause it, it, it is kind of a little bit reminiscent of what Frank Herbert does with his universe, but it's, um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit more delicately thought out and, um, you know, kind of makes me think of a more, uh, you know, realistic version of what a future could be. Um, and, and so I, I really, really deeply love those books. All, all of Ursula Le Guin's work is, is, uh, phenomenal. Um, yeah, I heard good things. I've got some of her stuff. I've got, yeah, they, they've put out, uh, the library of America has put out books by her collections. I have those and, uh, I heard good things about uh, the dispossessed. Yes, which yeah. uh, which my bro- I remember my brother really liked that book, and so I I think that would be maybe the first one I tried from her. That's a great but, first. Uh, one. Yeah, the dispossessed, uh, the left hand of darkness. Um, is, yeah, th- those are two great. I mean, it's th- that series is is great to read in its entirety. But the great thing is, is you don't have to read it in any sequential order because it's all just kind of. Mm-hmm. The same universe, but there's it's different time periods and different locations. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like a a mosaic you put together in any which way you uh, choose. Um, but obviously, we're go we you know you know fulfill that, and then you know maybe you'll be like, hey, you know, maybe it's time to return to the Dune universe and uh, <laughs> see what you know see what the, Paul the gets Dune-iverse, up to. Some say the Dune-iverse. Um Especially if they do make a a Dune Messiah movie, as I know the director wants to do, he, you know he he kind of wants to turn it into a trilogy. I think, um, yeah. So I I I would recommend that. But yeah, I mean it's good to branch out because you, you know you you're kind of into you know before this into more like classical fiction, like like the big uh, you know literature classics. Yeah, no, I, you know, I try to, uh, you know, try just read whatever uh, seems interesting at the time. I'll read something, I'll read a review or something and uh, try and go in that direction. Uh, But, you know, I like contemporary stuff, too. I try to read some contemporary stuff. I don't just stick to, uh, you know, classics. Um, I started reading. All my all my reading sort of got interrupted. I don't know if you've been listening to. Uh, we're doing a book club on the best show. Yeah, it's it's uh, uh, nothing but a good time, right? 
is what you're going to be reading with them? Yeah, nothing but a good time, <laughs> which is, has been a struggle in its own way uh, because it's it's about bands. I, I A lot of bands I didn't even hear of. Yeah. I'm, I'm, four, I'm 400 pages into this book, and then they're introducing all these bands I, I know nothing about, Tough and... Uh, so this is all like hair metal right essentially like 80s yeah it's all the hair metal so it's like the late mid to late uh mid to late 80s yeah right into the early 90s before i guess nirvana is going to snuff it all out mm-hmm. but um yeah so it's i mean i wasn't really listening to that music at that time uh i i was like uh, i guess the uh bon jovi is sort of the the biggest band of that era and i hated them you know i mean I hated them more, I think, because they were from New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so I had a, a sort of negative uh, connection to all that music at at the time when it came out. But I remember, you know, you know, some years ago, reading sort a, a sort of a reappraisal of that music, and so I did sort of dip my toe in it, and you know, I heard the bigger bands, Motley Crue and Rat and Poison. I heard, you know, they're big hits. But but this book goes much further into you know more of the, the minor league Harold metal, and I'm just like oh, I'm done with it. You know, it's like can, can, you know I just want to finish this thing. So yeah. I can start reading reading regular books again. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds like a slog. I mean, it's it just sounds like a whole bunch of uh, stuff you you know you never thought you uh, ever needed to know and still don't need to know. Um, I mean, it's an oral history, you know. So you know. You get Ozzy Osbourne chiming in. He's he's funny. Uh, even David yeah, Lee Roth. A big Ozzy you know. fan. Oh What's yeah, that? always. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he, <laughs> you know, when you're reading along and and you come across him, you know, okay, you're in for some some pretty funny quotes here. You know, uh, even David Lee Roth, you know, has some funny things to say. So I mean, it's it's not total, uh, you know, misery, but. Uh, like I said, it's hard for me to keep all these bands straight in my head. And I, you know, they're just putting these names that mean nothing to me. And I'm like, yeah. oh, is that the, is that the guitarist from Dokken? Like, you know, it's like, I, I, but, and after a certain point, I was like, I don't care who it is. You know, it's like, you know, I, I think they're talking about Dokken in this chapter. I think they're talking about Striper in this chapter. Yeah. You know, just bands. Just... Like, <laughs> I have no interest in learning about a lot of wannabe Brett Michaels. Yeah, I mean, and well, and hey, they had they had their uh, their success, and you know, I can't really give them a hard time about that. They 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 achieved some level of success, so you know, good for them, you know. But uh, I didn't need to be reminded about some of the stupid things Sebastian Bach did in in you know uh, his Skid Row days and. uh, so yeah that that whole period of like rock and roll history i think is is uh one that you know is is not really a great one to look back on i think it's it's it kind of ages very very uh poorly i think i think a lot of people are maybe i, I don't know who's buying this book you know that to me that doesn't seem like a big book buying you know the aged fans of bon jovi are they really picking up books now about them i yeah. don't know it, it doesn't seem likely <laughs> yeah i mean it, but it, uh it, you know it's a it's like a big uh irony buy you know it's a, it's it's a yeah i, th- I think 
people are buying it just like oh this this will be funny you know and i guess uh i didn't read it but uh the motley crew i guess they did the dirt right mm-hmm. and then they netflix did a movie version of that book and so i guess there there is a bit of an appeal for just like you said the debauchery of it and you get you get a fair amount of, of that in this book but uh to me that doesn't seem like enough to you know, slog through 500 pages. <laughs> no, no. I mean, no. so if you could pick one of the hair metal bands from Nothing But A Good Time and they had to um, provide the soundtrack to the Dune movie, what band would it be? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I, 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 I think the, the one hair metal band, it seems like they were kind of, you know, down to earth somewhat, and they never really achieved the, the success of, say, Motley Crue or uh, Rat or Poison. Mm. Uh, Cinderella, Cinderella okay. from from Philadelphia. They seem somewhat grounded in reality, and uh, they didn't do too many stupid things. So uh, maybe I'd, I'd give them throw. I don't know what they're doing now. <laughs> They'd probably jump at the chance. That would be a good gig for them. Sure. Uh, fun for them. And <laughs> speaking of the the music, the music in um, the new Dune, did you yes. find it a little overbearing at times? That's I, I have to say that's one of the things that um, I I really enjoyed because I I felt like uh, I felt like there was a, a real effort to make it sound uh like a part of the dune universe i guess Mm -hmm. where it didn't just sound like a generic film score um i but i I could see how it could come across that way because like sometimes you'll be watching right and then like when they they want to feel like they they want to up the impact of the scene they just start have people screaming and it'll it'll, like blare at you um but i I I have to say watching it in the theater i feel like that's that's made to be like part of the experience too you know yeah no i they made that decision i i just found it like you know it felt like it never stopped like it it felt like there was music under every scene i was like wow you know it's it's like this music does it does it ever end yeah i mean we just have a scene without music you know blasting in the background i don't know i think that's a fair um you know point what what I thought is seeing it in IMAX in the theater, the the soundtrack was freaking amazing. I thought it was it was incredible. It sounded yeah. incredible. It felt incredible. But we did watch it on HBO Max um the day after actually. Um and it 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 was maybe like a little bit too much, I think, for like the home theater. Mm-hmm. You know, like 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 the you know, the average home theater I don't think is equipped to like deal with that. So and you know, I think it could have you know, been balanced a, little, a bit better um, for that release, but uh, I I also think you're right, and, and there there's not a lot of um, like real breathing room um, as far as the soundtrack goes. There are quieter moments, but it doesn't ever let up. Yeah, yeah. That was my uh, response to it, anyway. <laughs> what um, what else? I mean, like I know we we've kind of been dancing around the movie a bit and we, we've talked a lot about like you know our thoughts on the book and i mean when connor and i discussed the film we we pretty much talked about everything we talked we compared it to the lynch film we talked about our thoughts on the book like it it is all of that 
Um, but you mentioned before you feel like you're in the, the minority, right? It seems like you didn't enjoy it as much as, as maybe other people are like singing its praises. Um, the, the, the new movie? The new movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, and, I, I, uh, yeah I was just yeah. wondering if you'd speak to that a little bit. Well, you know, I, I, I've only watched it once. You know, maybe I should look at it again. I think, you know, seeing the theater probably would be a better experience. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, it didn't, I mean, uh, I think you said it before. It, it didn't really amplify things. It stayed true to the book, but it didn't really add anything. So it was nothing like you, you sort of like, oh, that's an interesting choice. You know, that when I watched David Lynch's version, it's like I watched it like right on the heels of reading it. So I could see all these little choices he's making that, you know, he's staying true to the book for the most part. But then then he's doing his little his thing, you know, not really distracting from the book, but just, you know, putting his brand on it uh, and, you know, having fun with it. Uh, I didn't really feel like. You know, not that the story is a fun story necessarily, but uh, at least in the David Lynch version, this just felt dry and, and very uh, flat to me. The performances, you know, didn't really jump out at me as in particular. I thought I thought the the mother was just like not really effective. You know, it's like she just seemed almost like a background character. And she's like one of the main characters in the book. Um, I just think, didn't think that was a strong performance. Uh, and, you know, like I said, the, some of the bigger characters in the book don't really get much much action in the movie. Uh, I don't think I heard the word Mentot mentioned <laughs> in no, the movie. Yeah, no. You know, and that's like sort of a thing. And, you know, uh, and actually, yeah, well, let me just say this. I mean, I laughed at the... Uh, at the Harkonnen, uh, what's his, the, the main villain? Uh, the Baron? Yeah, Baron. Yep. You know, I mean, you guys have seen Apocalypse now, right? Uh, well, I haven't actually, but I have oh, seen okay. comparisons made. I, I, I have seen uh, some some allusions to it discussed when, when talking about Dune here in this latest Yeah, movie, I mean, but... it's like, well, to me, it's like, Really, he's just going to turn his character into Colonel Kurtz, which is sort of the main, that's the Marlon Brando character in uh, Apocalypse Now, who's sort of, you know, this guy who's gone into the jungle and he's lost his mind, you know. And, you know, I saw a, a thing where the director is talking about, you know, why he sort of made the character. It's, it's Because, that, that again, that's a major, uh, you know, that, that character is like a major character in the book. And he's he's not this sort of, quiet character you know yeah in a mud bath you know <laughs> yeah i know i know I mean, you're right you know, they, they took that image right out of apocalypse now that there's a scene where you know you see martin sheen sort of emerge from like the muck and mire <laughs> it's the same scene in this movie and 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 in this movie the, the character is doing like things that marlon brando did in apocalypse now he's sort of like stroking his head and you know, I'm like, really? Is this like supposed to be like some sort of homage to uh, Apocalypse Now and Marlon Brando? It just seemed odd to me. 
the way they they went with that character. Um, I mean, you've read the book. I mean, you could see that it was that was a really that was a that's probably the biggest departure I think from the book in in the new movie. Yeah, I I, uh, I I I agree with that for sure. In that, um, I I think what what doesn't come across well enough is like how, um, I guess like how uh like conniving and manipulative the Baron really is. Like so yeah. much time in the books is dedicated to like him just talking about the plan like exactly yeah the first hundred pages he's you know every every scene with him right he he's he's discussing like what what is going to happen and how he is like influenced or set up the events for it for it to go down and then when the attack happens in the movie um yeah it doesn't feel like as orchestrated by him like I, mm -hmm. I think, um, I think some of that is lost. But but interestingly enough, I do, or I I guess I could say I did appreciate his performance. Uh, what is it, Stellan Skarsgård? Um, yeah. I thought it was an interesting choice to make the Baron feel like more, uh, I guess like cold and intimidating, you know. Um, but then again, I haven't seen Apocalypse Now, so. Okay. Everything you were talking about was like, you know, definitely not something I was going to catch. But uh, I honestly like with a lot of things in this movie, I feel like I feel like there are like interesting reasons behind it. And I think the decisions are are cool and that and, and there are like good effects that come across. But like I feel like I, I can understand anyone and like criticisms of it because <laughs> especially when, when talking about like adapting a book like Dune, mm -hmm. like it, it's going to like necessitate changing things or, or so often yeah. things will be changed, you know, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, but, they're, they're, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the director's right to, you know, make the choices that he does. I just thought that was, that was an odd one. You it know? definitely because was. The, char the character is so sort of firmly drawn in the books. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, you didn't get a good good uh, image of what that character was like. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And then I'll I'll speak to you know as well. Like in in the Lynch film, um, like one of the best things about the David Lynch film is like how just nuts the Baron is in that film, and yeah, and the, <laughs> the boils on on his face, and just it, it. I mean, it's it's comical, you know, like like him and yeah. and uh, Rabin are are kind of these like buffoonish villains and uh it, it's it's done to really great effect but if if you're gonna yeah. try and do like a more grounded like down-to-earth uh version of dune which i think is really what denis is is trying to do here like you just can't mm -hmm. have that version of the baron in a film like this <laughs> unfortunately but but you could you well, could I mean, the, the you know make him a bigger part yeah. and, and i think he he was shortchanged a little bit in uh just just the amount of screen time and, uh, you know, exposition he got. Yeah, well, well, the book makes a big thing about how big he is. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and, and that he's got these, what are, what are they called, that sort of support his body? The, the sort suspensors. Of, the suspensors, right, yeah. Yeah. So they're hovering around him when he's airborne and, you know, they're they're holding up his weight, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I mean, you could say David Lynch went overboard with that, but I mean, it's it's not that far from what's in the book. No, it's not. I mean, it's kind of a a bizarre image in the book itself. So uh, it's true. And in this movie, you get him flying for no reason. We don't even we we, we're not even told why he is (laughs) levitating. The fly. Well, he had a sort of like. I mean, he hovers in the book, right? So he is sort of airborne. Yeah. So I guess he had to have a scene where he flies. Like I called him the flying Colonel Kurtz. You're gonna laugh when you when you when you see Apocalypse Now and and you see what I'm talking about. You're you're gonna like laugh because it's kind of like it's so kind of obvious. The scene is just like ripped from that movie. Well, I'm sure he's conscious of it. You know, it, it seemed like he did it consciously to like maybe. That's a favorite movie of his, and he he wanted to put in, you know, I mean, Tarantino does this, right? You know, Mm -hmm. he puts in his little homages to people. So another, this is an homage to uh, Apocalypse Now, I guess, you know, Colonel Kurtz. It just seemed, uh, you know, it's true. Bizarre to me. Yeah. I mean, then another thing, you know, also is that I think potentially this movie could be kind of drumming up suspense and building up the Baron who, who might play a bigger role in part two. Um, so that could be a reason why they're withholding, you know, some of his scenes. Yeah, I, I saw an interview that mentioned that, that it's going to, that, that character will be bigger in the next one. But yeah, what I'm yeah. worried about with, with, with the next, if they do do part two and I, I sort of goofed around with the book when I, when I was re- reading the book that certain scenes, to me, reminded me of scenes from movies, like the knife, the knife fights. There's there's actually two mm-hmm. two prominent knife fights in in the book, mm-hmm. and and you know I'm like oh you know uh, West Side Story was a big movie shortly before uh, or maybe during the oh, time yeah. when Herbert Herbert was writing this this book. I'm like you know. And we're in the future. It's like, well, you know, we're in the future and we're still doing knife fights. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it just seemed like yeah. an odd thing. And then there's uh there's the big it wasn't in the it wasn't included in this movie. Actually it's not included in in um Lynch's version of the movie, where there's a big scene where uh it's uh Harkonnon's nephew. I'm forgetting his character's name, but he fights Paul. And it's like it's like Spartacus. It's like, it's like a scene from Spartacus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fade you know, the... Yeah. There's a big fight scene between them, um, and then there's a scene at the end with the the shield wall, where you know they blow it up, and I'm like thinking, oh, that's uh, the bridge over the River Kwai. So I'm thinking like you know, I don't know for sh- for a fact that this is this influenced Herbert when he was writing the book. I think it, it, it yeah, I, mean, I think it has to have, I mean, those movies were all out before the book came out and could have been an influence on him. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I mean, West side story is what popped into my head the first time I read the, you know, the knife fight between, you know, Paul and, uh, <laughs> Jameis. But, uh, but I mean, that's, that's such a, uh, low hanging fruit that I, I, you know, I guarantee Frank <laughs> Herbert was aware of that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's 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 full of influences from that time. Like, you know, obviously, like uh, Lawrence of Arabia is, is a huge influence on true yeah, on the yeah, story. I didn't think of that, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to kind of pick it apart like that. Um, 
I'm not yeah, trying so to pick it apart. I'm just saying these may have been influences. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody has their influences, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's not, I don't say that that's not a negative thing. Oh, no, know? absolutely you, you not. Know? No. It's, it's, you know, it's like I said, I, I don't know for a fact that it was consciously done. You know, it could have just been subconsciously, you know? And I'm, you know, and I'm concerned that if they do a second movie, you know, it's going to end with another knife fight. So it's like, are people going to get confused because both movies sort of have That's including knife fights? Yeah. Uh, or, you know, does it, you know, does it, could it be pulled off in a way that makes it feel poetic, you know, in that you, you have the ending of your, of your sequel end in a similar way, but like a lot of times when you have your characters end up in a similar situation, you try to show how much they've grown, right? And I think that right. that's that's part of what, um, you know, Herbert, I remember feeling like he pulls it off really well in the book because I, I think you are meant to compare the Jameis knife fight and the Fader out the knife fight and realize mm -hmm. that, like, when Paul fights Jameis, um, you know, he's reluctant and he doesn't want to kill him. He's never killed anyone before, like, you know. Yeah. And then you know, he, he goes through this whole journey and loses and his, his innocence and all that. And then, you know, it's w when you get to that final knife fight, right. It's like you, you see how he has changed. You think back to that initial one and you're like, this is not the same character holding that knife. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it could be, it could be done to really great effect, but like with most things with Dune, it's a matter of like, can you pull it off? Um, yeah, it's not easy. I don't think. I mean, I mean, I think it's well done in the book. I mean, yeah, the the, the scenes aren't, you know, they're not uh, carbon copies, you know, and and they have uh, their own suspense within the scene. Uh, and then, you know, at the end, it, you know, it's sort of a big conclusion. So, uh, you know, I thought that was effective, um, even though. You know, we, we saw a knife fight earlier on, but that's part of the world, you know? Yeah. Like, yes. And then the other they've thing got, is, is too, these, uh... um, you know, we have Paul kind of having these visions of him dying by a knife as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, building that up, if if we get even more of those, I feel like the audience will be more likely to think that he he may die in this final knife knife fight. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just, just little differences like that. Um but I mean, there if 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 it's if it's played too similarly, it could it, you know definitely could be an issue. Mm -hmm. So most importantly, Mike, what did you think about the worm, about the worms <laughs> in this movie? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, they've got CGI that Lynch didn't have, right? So you know, I mean, it, it's got to be superior to what we saw before. And it is, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's effective. Um, you know, I'm sure on a big screen, it's even more impressive. Uh, oh yeah, it was. So, so the worms, <laughs> I didn't have any problems with the worms in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it uh, I know we, I know we were just talking about the, the new film, but you, you thinking back to the Lynch film made me think like, isn't it crazy how good the Lynch worms look? even today like i i think that those effects hold up so strongly i remember watching the movie just just after reading the book you know a year ago or however long now and and thinking like holy shit like you know there's there's a lot of things in this movie that have not aged well but those worms look 
huge. And uh, I just thought they were like so well realized. I, I love that effect in, in the Lynch film. Well, I, I like it. Maybe not quite for the same reason. I think it's funny. You know, it's like <laughs> a lot of it I is mean, funny. just up there. And, and it, you know, it's, it just looks like a green screen behind them, right? I mean, well, when, it, when, when the characters talking... are on them, yes. Yeah, it looks goofy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the yeah. like the full, the, the shot of like, I guess they were like models, right? I thought yeah, um, they look like trains going by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the effect. It looks like a train, a rounded train going by them, you know. So I yeah. mean, yeah, I, I like I like those scenes in the Lynch version too. But I, you know, you're having fun too. It's like it's funny. Um, it yeah, definitely so is. There's there, there's a camp effect. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the practical effects, like they look great for practical effects, but I mean, mm -hmm. like. In a way, they almost hold up better than like CGI of like the early two thousands, um, but you know, doesn't hold a candle to like what a big blockbuster movie like Dune today can do. Yeah, um, no, it's true. But you know, for for what they are, I think I think they are a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I loved. I mean, for this for this new movie with Denis, like the I thought the shield effects were really really good. I liked how. It, it only like they would only appear when when they're like affected when they're hit you know you see the blue or you see the red depending on like the strike and uh anything that had to do with like the las guns um a lot of cool shots on like the tech in this movie definitely a lot of good good effects uh the team team did some great work there yeah i'd, I'd agree with the, the shield effects i thought that was pretty well done yeah those yeah. are better I'm, than the big blocky ones in the in the david lynch film yeah, he did his thing, and it's not quite the same. Like Legos. Uh, I'm looking at. <laughs> I'm looking. I, I wanted to, you know, at least include one one of my uh, favorite bits of mumbo jumbo that pops up in the book. Yeah. Uh, from one of my tweets, uh, when the, the during the Reverend Mother ceremony, there's this this sentence, with her psychokinesthetic probing, she moved into it shifted an oxygen moat, allowed another carbon moat to link, reattached a linkage to oxygen, hydrogen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I read that and I'm like, yeah, what, what, what can I do with that? You know, yeah. I, I can't even unpack that, you know, no. it's like, yeah, you know, it's impenetrable. I it's to. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, I don't want to scare people off with, you know, if the whole book was like that, yeah, I, I wouldn't have made it. Yeah. You know, but but when those little things pop up, you know, I'm like, okay, there's a little bit of mumbo jumbo for me, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, for me personally, yeah. like getting through it was, I mean, you just kind of had to like take it for what it was and be like, okay, well, you know, I don't really know what that means, but I'm just going to kind of like hope that the context <laughs> context clues give it away. And like a lot of times they do and a lot of times they don't. And um, uh -huh. so we didn't, I mean, I didn't refer to the glossary at all during my first reading of Dune. And um, no. So I I definitely got a lot of like things wrong that like I just have learned going through the uh series afterwards. Um but yeah, it's a hard mm -hmm. it's a hard thing to break through. But um I, I think you kind of just got to like not really care too much about about getting every object right. Uh-huh. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. going back and forth to the glossary either, but I, I go back there once in a while early on when I, I needed to remind myself, well, what's that again, you know? Uh, yeah. But, uh, 
you know, for the most part, yeah, you just go through it, you know, uh, try not to get too thrown by uh, the terminology. Um, yeah. It's funny to hear you talk about it. It makes me think like, um, obviously, I can't, I'm not looking to speak for, for everyone, but it feels like there's um, almost a kind of uh, fear or worry about reading a story or, or like, or, or engaging with a story and feeling confused, you know, like it, like there's a whole uh, market of, of people who are like explaining stories and breaking them down. And, and sure enough, that's sort of what we do on Dune Dudes, even though we didn't not know really. either, like we're saying, but like, mm-hmm. we're not very good at that. But um, No, no, <laughs> but like, you know, the, the idea that like, oh, you know, I, I want to read Dune, but I'm worried I won't understand it. And instead of like turning to like companion pieces or like, oh, don't, you know, these people will help you or you can use this resource. Like, I think that there's like a a really fun, almost a a feeling of like mystery solving when it's like, yeah, like go be confused, like read Uh the story on your own terms and don't worry if it doesn't make sense to you because like, Mm you know, part of it is, is kind of using your critical thinking skills to be like, I, I don't have to know what this is the first time I see the word. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to, you know, yeah, yeah. it's, it's something that Herbert tries to introduce to you, like through the context of the world. Cause of course mm-hmm. the characters aren't going to explain it. I think he handles that well. And I, I think it's funny to see how that kind of comes up against what I think of as like some of the like broader, like modern day mindsets of, of readers, I guess, um, of, of just like, you know, a a concern to, to be confused, you know, like people don't want to feel like they don't get the story right away. And, and so, um, I, I think there's something to be said for, for figuring it out too, as you go along. That's all. Yeah. Uh, when you were talking, you reminded me of uh, a writer I recently started reading. I, you know, again, I, I had his books for decades, and I just never got around to reading the book. I heard good things about him, got the books, and then just you know didn't read them for a long time. Uh, the author's name is John Hawks, cool. and the books I've read so far: uh, The Cannibal, Second Skin, and The Lime Twig. They're, they can be very compu- confusing, and they're they're almost like um, like dreams. You know, they're they're mm-hmm. not very realistic. They can get very sort of dreamlike in their sort of imagery, and you can be confused a lot of the time. But it's interesting. You know, it's like because then you're sort of really actively engaged in the writing. You're like, oh, what's going on here? You know? Yeah. So he's, the, the author's the author's drawing you in by making you think like you know what's what's happening and it's it's not like and he's not he's not uh he's tr- it's a stylistic choice and and it's it's not like he's trying to baffle you with bullshit he's you know he he's he it's a different way of drawing you into the writing and um i i can really recommend him if you like you know, if you like sort of being immersed in a different world and i guess that's what dune does yeah. It puts you it puts you in this different world. Uh, John Hawkes does this, but it's it's based on real real realistic uh, time. It's not it's not science fiction. 
but it's similar. It's similar, you know. And you is may, it kind of similar to way, to uh, David cool. Lynch's other work, you know, because uh, kind of being in a dream is is very Twin Peaksy. Oh yeah, no, I mean, I, I I don't know if David Lynch has read any of these books or been influenced by these books, but it's it's literally almost like uh, a book version of what David Lynch does because they're very almost surreal uh, at times. And you're just like, Oh, this is real. What, what's going on? You know, um, it, it, it reminds me a lot of David Lynch. Yeah. That sounds right up my alley. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would like, recommend that's a glowing recommendation. Yeah. I would, I would recommend, uh, the one that I really like the most is called second skin. And that, that was, that's an amazing book. And it's like that book, each chapter you're like in a different world, you know? I mean, it really is sort of unlike any book I've re I've read where it's like, what, this guy did something with this book that I, I've never come across before. Uh, so yeah, if, if you give him, give him a shot that I'd recommend that one. Yeah. That's for sure. Going on the list. I think, um, I mean, one thing I, I, I want to uh, just say about, you know, Connor was saying we kind of, you know, break things down here on the podcast about, uh, you know, our reading and, and about Dune. I think I shut it down, but I think it's right because we we kind of show um, to the world that even idiots can read Dune. And <laughs> and, uh, you know, if we can do it, you can do it, too. That's kind of that's kind of the message. Um, yeah, that's our shtick. That's our shtick. OK, um, but uh, I'd agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not so daunting. It. It's not. It's not like reading uh, Finnegan's Wake or Ulysses, you know. No, James Joyce. No, I yeah, and, and I um, I. I started um reading the Odyssey, and mm -hmm. I I did not get too far into it. I had to. Uh, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do uh, you know, Dune and the Odyssey at the same time. So I'll have to, I'll have to okay. pick that back up <laughs> at some point. Yeah, we'll get back to it. I'm sure. Yeah. Um. So, Mike, before we wrap things up here, um, are, are there anything things about Dune or about the movie? Anything that you like really wanted to discuss, talk about, questions, critiques, anything? No, I think we've we've covered it, right? I mean, we covered yeah. the movies, we covered the book, in pretty pretty much uh, detail. So, no, I yeah. think we covered my main uh, points. If people nice. want to go back to my my Twitter, they can go at uh, at AP Mike on Twitter and. This was back in uh, July and August. I was reading a book. Yeah, be, uh, before you were caught up in uh, in rock and roll debauchery. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a couple of quick questions I I want to ask uh, before we wrap things up, if that's okay with you. Sure. Um, so if we do end up getting a Dune trilogy, and we get you know part two, then we get Dune Messiah. Would that motivate you to read Dune Messiah? Um, I guess I'd have to see how Dune Two goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, like I said, I, I I finished Dune and I was kind of like, you know, all right, I I've read this book. I see, I see why it's sort of important and and uh, influential, but it didn't really compel me to go go buy the other ones. I mean, if, 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 if I had the, all the sequels laying around, <laughs> I don't have them anymore. Yeah. But, uh, maybe, maybe I would have picked it up, but if I, if I have to actually go, go to a bookstore or yeah, 
order it on, online. I, I don't think I'd really go down. No, that's a lot. That, that's, that's, yeah, yeah I, I understand that totally. Um, and that brings us to the second question that I have. Uh, so just going with your gut right now, do you think Dune will be greenlit for a part two? I guess it all, I mean, everything's uh, by money, you know, yeah. what sort of box office it does. That sort of decides. I mean, the, the movie was expensive. I mean, Extremely. what was it, 165 million? Or, I mean, it was, it was up there. Yep. So yep. for it to make money, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know what sort of deals they get from HBO to stream it right away. I have no idea. But, um, you know, it all depends on the financing. That's the way it goes with movies, I guess. And uh, the pandemic is sort of really uh, upset the system since, you know, movie theaters were essentially shut down for, for months. And people, I think, have, unfortunately, I think more people are getting used to streaming. Yeah. And they want they want movies to stream at home. You know, people have the the big TVs and stuff and they feel like they don't have to, you know, put themselves through the, uh, you know, go into a theater, which I enjoy. I mean, you know, it, it depends on the theater, though. I've been in some really horrible theaters where, you know, I was in a theater one time and the, the ceiling was leaking on me. So, oh, my God. Uh, you know, Bay Bayonne had a theater, which. It was it was for the most part a good theater, but uh, you know, uh, not the best. Yeah. You know, I, I you know I I hope it sticks around, but um, it all depends on how well it does at the box office. I think. Yeah, no, that's very true. I mean, I you know I feel like whenever um, I'm in a theater and the sound is is bad or it's like, yeah, it's, oh yeah, yeah, it, it it ruins the whole experience for me. It's it's miserable. Oh yeah. Um. So final question i have for you and i i know this is a lot of um this gets a lot of talk on the best show um so I, I i thought i would boil it down to you know kind of a uh a one or the other question so would you uh, uh prefer frank herbert or flow beer <laughs> uh well, I, I would have to say that um, I guess Frank Herbert has been more influential, <laughs> influential on, on the culture, you know. Uh, Flaubert was sort of of his time. Uh, I think his writing is still pretty amazing, uh, even to this day. And he's been influential on writers, you know. Uh, yeah. He may not have the impact. He doesn't have the impact on the culture, clearly, today. But, uh, you know, if you're uh, into literature and you have to read him at some point or, or another. Uh, not too long ago, I read he's got uh, two volumes of letters uh, and they had to be they, they, they were published after he died by his niece. And these letters can can be fairly graphic with his sexual exploits. Oh, boy. And and yeah, and at times he 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 does come across as a sexist pig. There's no way you know avoiding that. But mm -hmm. but the niece, the niece apparently you know edited out sort of the raunchier stuff. So we'll never know, you know what 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 was contained in some of the letters. But mm -hmm. some of the stuff that's in there is pretty pretty raunchy at times, and it's kind of uh, 
refreshing is not the right word, but, <laughs> but it, it, it sort of made me laugh because it really did show that like, hey, this is a human guy, you know, he, yeah. could, he could be, you know, he could be just as flawed as anybody else. You know, he, he was an amazing writer, but he was also a human being with his flaws. Um, but I found it, you know, interesting, just sort of his, he was sort of an obsessive, you know, a perfectionist. And, you know, that comes in through the letters where he's talking about his work. It's, it, you know, if, 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 if I think a lot of people were going to give Madame Bovary a, a shot after I mentioned it. Uh, yeah. So I would, I would recommend those letters too. If, and, you know, I'm reading it when I'm reading it, I'm like, wow, this, this would actually be like a good character for like a mini series, you know, just following the exploits of him. You know, yeah. he traveled a lot, you know, he uh -huh. went to Egypt and so you get some of that, you know, and his relationship with uh, George Sand, the, the, the woman writer. She she wrote under that that pseudonym. Mm -hmm. But uh, so you know, there's just a lot there that would be make for an interesting character. But uh, that's just a dream. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's that's really interesting because you know to bring it back to Dune, I think um, the farther you go into the Dune books, the more flawed of a character Frank Herbert himself becomes. Um, you uh -huh. know, we, okay. we, you know, he, he, Very he true. yeah, he, he does kind of, you know, reference a lot of things that, um, if, you know, he, he wrote these things today, he, he would be, you know, looked down upon a lot. And, and so it, it's, oh really yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting getting to know him on a, on, on a more of a personal level. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I think it connects to what, what you were saying though, because it's like talking about like, yeah, they're a flawed human being. But an excellent, uh, an excellent writer too, and I, right, right. I think um, it's it's funny to to like to to see that relationship and like to discover it for yourself, you know, to like read to read through and to learn more at like at your own rate, like you. It's like turning over rocks, kind of, you know. And um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it, it's 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 funny, you know. There's to to see like that tension and conflict within a person between the things that you you know, kind of admire about them and, and the, and the things that you might find to be like more, um, troubling, you know, and it's like, right, what, right. Yeah, yeah, what does that yeah. say about like our relationships with like, you know, the people who create, create the artwork that, that we, that we, um, you know, appreciate and enjoy. Like there's, there's a lot to unpack there. And, and sure enough, we do talk a lot, a lot about Frank Herbert on Dune Dudes. Um, so I feel like I know where you're coming from quite yes, a bit there, Mike. Yeah, that was some absolutely. good thoughts on that. Is, is there more sex stuff in Dune Messiah? Oh, oh my well, God, so, there is more sex It's all every sex book. stuff. It's all sex stuff. I every book tell gets you. more and oh, more. Now I have to, I have to yeah. uh, change my answer. I think I might go. go <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, worth it just I, I didn't know what. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm almost curious to see how we got crazy there in it the gets. ends. I mean, yeah, you, you couldn't right. even, you know, we're we're joking around here, but like in all honesty, uh -huh. like the the last, the last two books, like were I I would say like primarily about sex. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's, um. It's, not to give anything away, funny. but uh. It, so so <laughs> it's a big yes well, for better. You're or actually getting getting me more interested now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um. So, not that we you know need to promote the best show, but I'm excited to uh, to hear your thoughts on um, you know, nothing but a good time and the book club. That's that's very exciting. Um. Yeah, that'll be coming up uh, early next month. Nice. And I know you also got apmike.bandcamp.com. 
Yeah. Which I've been uh, putting some, some little uh, snippets of sort of, uh, I don't know what you call them, sort of dialogues, uh, little stories. Yeah. Of, you know. The the, 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 the one you put out, I think was was was, was last year or the year before that. I thought that was really good. Um, uh-huh. I forget what it was called though, but yeah. Um, so you've done some cool work there. Do you have anything else coming out on on your Bandcamp? No, I, I there's you know I, I want to get back to uh, doing some more of those. Uh, yeah, it's just sort of monologue. There's sort of monologues, you know, uh, talking about different subjects. Uh, I talked about uh, when I was at college. I talked about my early uh, career in publishing. Um, so yeah, I want to continue with that to do a couple, couple more of those. Nice. Well, nice. I'm, you know, I am excited for all that, and you know, I think uh, I can say for both of us, the you know, thank you for coming on to Dune Dudes to uh, talk Dune. Um, okay. We we appreciate it, especially because you know you know you're not a Dune hater, certainly, but but no, you know no. you're. You're, you can you can you know look at it from a critical viewpoint, which which makes the conversation a bit more interesting. So, uh, so yeah, thank you, Mike. Okay, thank you for having me. Absolutely, totally, yeah. No, it it was it was a ton of fun. We we really appreciate it. Um, it was it was a really great discussion. Thank you, uh, very much for for taking the time to talk with us today. And if you do end up reading the later Dune books. Uh, let us know because oh, yeah. yeah. we, we'll, we'll have we so us, much more to talk, talk about. about. Like, we, you'll hear about it. You'll hear about it. We'll have to put an explicit tag after it and everything, but uh, let us know. <laughs> All right, Mike. Thanks so okay. much. You have a good night. Okay. Take care. Thanks. Bye. All right. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email us at doondudespod at gmail.com. Uh, we, we just – it's kind of funny because, like, typically – it's like every few episodes the inbox fills up and I go through it and, you know, answer all the questions we have and, you know, send out autographs and stuff, virtual autographs. Um, but after this last episode, the five hour one about the movie, we, we got so many, so many responses and so many emails just <clears throat> talking about how much they loved our discussion and how, how we should actually make the podcast longer. Yeah, that that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it, um, it was insane. That, that was always the danger. You uh-huh. know, that's why we didn't do a five-hour podcast until now because uh-huh. I, I knew that, you know, once once the people knew what we could give them, you know, that there's no there's no taking that back. No, and there's a danger of them getting addicted to it. That's right. Much which, like the spice Malone. Yes, I mean the the spice, but also the honored mater's sexual prowess. Yes, which, we're we're kind of the animators of podcasting. We're kind of, <laughs> which you know, yeah, I mean, we're, we're teasing that a bit. You know, that that's for all you uh, people who just like Mike have only read the first book, and you're like, what? Cool yes. sex stuff. Yeah, yeah, all it's the, out there, people. That's for all the AP Mike Best Show fans who gave us a listen. Yep. Thank you. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Dune Dudes Pod. I think uh, you can come for the dudes, stay for the memes, mm-hmm. stay stay for the spicy memes. And also, we are at Corrupted TV on both Twitter and Instagram. As always, until next time. Uh, keep reading books and stay confused. That's the plan. <laughs>